2 Corinthians chapter 3. Thank you for your faithfulness, amen, to the house of God and pastor's absence, amen. That's one thing that we really never have a problem with here in this church, amen. I believe that we all love to be a church, amen. 2 Corinthians or... Some folks say 2 Corinthians. You'll get that later. Chapter 3. Beginning with verse 2. This is going to sound funny, but I'm going to talk to you tonight. I don't know where we'll go or how we'll end. Amen. I've got a direction, praise the Lord, but I, I try not to hymn God in. Amen. But... My title tonight, if you need a title, is A Lesson from Costco. A Lesson from Costco. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Written on our hearts to be known and read. Say known and read. By all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Written not with ink. But by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Amen. Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy, your power and your love. We're glad, God, for what you have already done for us and with us and through us. But, Lord, we lean once again on your mercy and your grace. And we depend, God, on your kindness and patience tonight, Lord, as we teach your word and receive your word. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. Paul, a man, was talking to a group of believers there in Corinth, a man, and that's why we read from Corinthians. It's an epistle to them, a man, and what Paul is looking to exhort them or commend them sometimes, instruct them. Sometimes he corrects the churches in his epistles, a man. But he said, you are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read of all men. Amen. He was saying to them that folks are going to know you particularly because of the doctrine that we have taught you. You're going to be our letter of recommendation. Isn't that cool? You will be our letter. I think it's cool. We'll be, you'll be our letter of recommendation. Amen. And then those two words, known and read. Amen. Somebody contacted me before Christmas of 2015, last year, and they asked me to write for them, amen, on a, they sent me an index card and asked me to write for them on an index card some words of encouragement for a particular individual in their life, and the Christmas gift that they were going to be giving to that person, amen, was going to be 300, I believe the idea was 365 postcards that every day of the year that individual in 2016 could open up and read something from one of their family members or friends or close personal acquaintances, co-workers, amen, and folks that they go to church with, their church family. And so it just so happened that just a few days ago I got a text and I've had a new phone now since then and I've lost a lot of my contacts. So sometimes some of you, I think Brother Andy is the most recent uh, will text me things, and I'll go, hey, that's great. Who is this? Hey, I really like that. Who are you? Amen. 
And so this person sent me a picture of an index card, and I saw writing on it, and I had to, to blow it up. You know, I'm well-versed in technology now, so I know how to go like this. And I blew that thing up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that looks really familiar. Like, that handwriting looks really familiar. And I began to read the words, and I'm like, well, that's really nice. That's, boy, are they, are they trying to say that? You know, they're saying that to me. They wrote, and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's my handwriting. And those are the things that I said. And then if I put together that I knew who that individual was. And so I was glad to be a blessing to them, amen, on that day. But here's the key. Known and read. It's just like if you were to get a letter from somebody, amen, and you see on the outside of the envelope, Sister Stacy, that person's name. If I were to send you a letter, you'd see in the upper left-hand corner, my name. And so when you read that, you then know who that is from, okay? And then by the handwriting and the things that are inside it, you're going to open it up and then you're going to read it, amen? Paul was telling the Corinthians that the things that are written on your heart, the doctrine that I have invested in you, the things that I have taught you and exemplified to you and put in your life, other men are going to know them and read them. In other words, they're going to see by the way that you live and by the way that you, the example that you set and they're going to understand by the way that you carry yourself and the language that you use and, and uh, uh, if you turn that frown upside down, amen, when everybody else is upset, they're going to know that you are one of us and you're going to come highly recommended by us because of the things that they know and then they're going to read you and they're going to examine you, praise God. By your lifestyle and the things that you participate in and the conversations that you hold and the jokes that you tell and the company that you keep. We will be known and read of all men. Bible says that we will be written epistles, known and read. That's how it's said in, in the King James Version, known and read of all men. Amen? We're going to be samples and examples to them. Amen? It's interesting if you... Would and I, I'm 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 kind of kicking around the idea, Amen, for Wednesday night. And uh, if you maybe if you respond well tonight, then we'll do the Bible study Wednesday night, or maybe I'll come up with something else. We'll see. But I've been thinking about examining the seven churches, Amen, that are in the book of Revelation, because there's quite a bit, Brother Don, that we can learn from the. Uh, the, the, the letters that are written to those seven churches in the book of Revelation, they are dictated, if you will, by Jesus Christ himself. They are letters. And he says, I've got the seven stars in my hand, and I'm walking among the seven lampstands. And he says, I, I, I'm going to write a letter to each of you. And I'm going to, and he does. And in each of those letters, there's, there's a, a seven-step breakdown. And if you want to study them, Revelation chapter 2 and, and chapter 3, a man contains the seven churches and what Jesus says to them. And here's how he kind of addresses them, seven steps. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these seven steps. But he will say, there are greetings for each of the seven churches. Then Jesus will give a very descriptive title of himself, like, for example, he will say, I am he that was dead and live, and then he will go on to speak to that church, or he will say, I am the one that walks among the seven lampstands, and then he will go on to exhort that church. So he gives a description of himself, almost, and every one of them is different, so it's almost like 
you you need somebody different than what the other church needed. I'm going to be, I'm going to, and not that he is, you know, we know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but that they need to be approached and they need to become uh, uh, directed from a different perspective, amen. And so then he will give insights into the life, amen, of those seven churches, and then he will give criticism as necessary for those individual churches and as well as criticism, he also gives them credit for things that they are doing correctly, amen. And then he gives them warnings and instructions. He gives them the final exhortation and then he gives them promises and assurances. If you study those seven churches, you'll find that at the end of every one of those that he addresses, he will also say, he that hath an ear, let him hear. This is a more general instruction and a more general warning. In other words, he's saying, yeah, I'm talking to this specific church, but now that I'm done addressing them specifically, if you have an ear, you better hear this, and you better take warning of it, and you better take heed of it. And here's what he is saying. Yes, he had some things that he wanted to address. He wanted to commend them. He also wanted to correct them. Amen. And, 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 and I could get into the, to the detail, and maybe we will Wednesday night. I think it's a good lesson for a Bible study. Amen. But when he gets done uh, uh, commending them and correcting them where it is necessary, praise God. Then he says, and you know what? Everybody that hears this can apply it to their life. Everybody that is that here that reads this letter, everybody that a man is somehow comes in contact with the words that I am saying, you can apply it to your life. You know why? You do not want a man to get caught up in false doctrine. You do not want to get idols in your life. You do not want to get the spirit of Balaam in your not only in your church, the building, because these were not church buildings, these were groups of people these were not even congregations these were amen uh, uh, cities if you will these were places where all of these believers were together and so he was addressing those specific things but he says you know what whenever I wrap this up every one of these I'm just going to go ahead and let you know if you've got a hear if you have an ear I want you to hear this you know why because you don't want as an individual as a church building as a city or as a movement amen you do not want to get caught up in this stuff but here's what's awesome I talked to you it was last year sometime and I talked about what kind of church would Jesus build anybody remember yeah I barely remember it myself that's okay <laughs> it was it was powerful stuff so that that I, I talked to you about what kind of church would Jesus build it was a two-part lesson I only got one of them out I thought we were all so impressed I didn't even finish it so uh, so anyway, there, but there were these these uh, these churches there, and they were being directed, and, and it was here's the cool thing that all of these seven churches can be a pattern and an example to us as a church and as an individual Christian. Now there are those that subscribe, man. I don't want to get too much into this. Uh, this because I got somewhere else I want to go, amen, but you know when you start talking about stuff, but there are those that, that subscribe to a train of thought that say the seven churches in Asia, Asia Minor there, which we know is Turkey now, that they, they are also, they can also be a process in which our church and the body of Christ is in the different eras and in the different time frames, amen, and we can look at the progress of where the church is headed and where it's going, amen. Some, some subscribe to that, but I would say that any given church, any given uh, individual, amen, could probably be in any one of these 
spiritual states at any one given time. Amen? So he, the, the cool thing, though, is this. That he gives us these warnings and he gives these churches the correction. He says, here's the things, Sister Cindy, that you're doing wrong. Here are the things where you error, church. And here are the things where you are making a mistake. And then he will commend them and say, but you know what? You're doing this right. And, and I noticed that there are some things that I hate that you also hate. I noticed that there are some things that I'm against that you have decided as a, as a church to be against, as a group and a body have decided to be against. But here's the cool thing. He runs through all of that, and then he comes to the end. Amen. I, I almost think I want to read it from one of these churches. Praise the Lord. He, he'll end, and this is just one of them. This is the one where he is ending uh, for Ephesus. And he says, He who has an ear, let him hear that the Spirit says to the churches, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Watch this. To the next one, which is, uh, amen, Smyrna. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. When he comes to Pergamos, amen, he says, uh, and, and I, he says, he, he, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except, except him who receives it? That's just three of the churches. Amen. There are four others. But here's what I want you to, to recognize. That he is saying, church, uh, you, there are some problems. There are some hang-ups. There are some shortcomings. There are some failures. There are some weaknesses. There are some great things that you're doing. There are some things that you are doing. But he wraps it all up with this, Sister Cozart. He says, but to him that overcomes... I've got a promise and an assurance for you that even though you've got some hang-ups, some weaknesses, some problems, amen, then, and, and, and even though you've got some things that you're doing right, I've got an assurance for you. I've got a promise for you. You are, if you overcome, if you endure to the end, if you get through it, praise God, I've got a promise for you. I'm going to do this, thus, and so for you, amen. That church in Pergamos, amen, is pretty interesting to me because it reminds me a lot of times and in a lot of ways, praise the Lord, in the spirit of, if you will, the general church in the world today. There's the spirit of, of Balaam in the church of Pergamos. They are doing some things right, Brother Kozar. They do have some things that they are doing right, amen. They are uh, maintaining the word of God. They are, they are sticking to sound doctrine in many ways, but because they have the spirit of Balaam there, what that means is, how many know the story of Balaam and the donkey that talked and argued back and forth? See, the whole story of that and the, and the, the spirit behind Balaam was this. He had a direct word from God that he tried to go around, and if you'll allow me to say, tried to marry that with something else so that there was a happy compromise there where he could make Balak happy and God happy. Amen. Folks, we cannot be worldly and spiritual. That is not the way it works. Pergamos had a problem, and, and if I can sum it up like this, the church had lost its edge. Wish I could get a Sunday night nod. It had lost its edge, and I want you to begin to think about the direction that, if you will, the uh, the 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 
secular church has gone. It has lost its edge and its ability to say no. Amen? That they are trying, amen, and it's a dangerous place to be in that spirit of Balaam, where they are trying to marry truth, amen, and they're trying to hold steady to doctrine, and they're trying to continue to teach what they have been taught, and they're trying to lay hold of that. But at the same time, they're trying to uh, uh, cuddle up, if you will, to worldly things, and they're, they're trying, amen, to compromise, amen. They are in Pergamos. What they are trying to do is, yeah, they're trying to say that there is a way that's right. But if you've got your way, then we don't want to step on your toes. That's, that's okay for you. Amen. I, I, there's a book called The Last Christian Generation. Amen. That uh, I read recently, and Brother Lowe is involved in it now. I don't know if he started it yet, but he has uh, got that in his possession. Amen. And there's a story in there that a mother has her daughter come home and she, she notices that she's got a friend with her and that she is of uh, another faith, if you will. And so the mother, and this, this is supposed to be a true story, the mother says to her daughter, that's awesome that you are uh, befriending her, that you are staying close to her, that you are building a relationship with her because now you can be a witness. You can witness to her and you can, you can amen, show her salvation. The mom says, whoa, mom, she doesn't need that. She's, a, a, she, she's of her faith. She's of her, amen, she believes in her doctrine. And you know what, that's, that's true for her and ours is true for us. See, that is the dangerous mentality and it's a spirit of the world today. And that book is actually talking to and teaching to millennials, amen, because our younger generation is starting to compromise like that. And they don't, they, they don't understand, like you and I were brought up, that there is a truth and it is the truth and it's not just a truth and it's not just our truth, amen. It's the truth that is written in the word of God. It is in the scripture, amen, that that if there is going to be a man, a church, and a truth, it's going to be separate from the world. It's going to live above sin. It's not going to make a place for it. It's not going to cuddle up to it. It's not, hallelujah, going to hold hands with it. It's not going to pat it on the back and tell it that everything's okay. You just do what you do, and we'll do what we do. Amen. And I'm not talking about getting in somebody's face, and I'm not somebody that's confrontational. Amen. But what I am talking about is, and I've been talking about it, it seems like every time I preach, there there is a difference, amen, between, between this church and just the church down the road. There is a difference between this church and there sure is a difference between this church and the world. Can I get an amen? We don't live like they live. We don't go where they go. We don't, amen, be entertained by the things that they are entertained by. Amen. When, 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 when we uh, open our Bible, we find out that there is right and there is wrong. Can I get an amen? So where am I getting at with a, a lesson from Costco? Because some of you are scratching your head like, man, he's off in Turkey and the seven churches in Asia. And <laughs> I can count on Brother Peters, boy, I'm telling you. Thank you, Brother Peters. <laughs> I'm getting at, I guess I better get to it, there is a difference. See, Costco, how many, how many like Sam's or Costco or 
I mean, you just can't do without 9,700 rolls of toilet paper. Okay? See, you got to build a garage on the back of your house because you're saving so much money. I can drink a box of 96 cups of K-cups. I can do that in a matter of a couple of weeks, really. My wife, my wife doesn't like that. No, she doesn't mind. So I have talked to people that have said that they like to go to Costco on Saturday. No, Sister Reed, you, you were with me there for a minute. They like to go on Saturday because that's when all the samples are out. Anybody ever been, okay, let's forget Costco and Sam's. Anybody ever been to a food court in the mall and somebody's standing out there trying to hand out some kind of ninja chicken or something? Okay? They're, 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 trying, to, they're trying to entice you, amen? They're trying to get you to take a sample. They're trying to influence you, amen? And that's where the church ought to be. The church is a sample, amen, of the life and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now I got everybody hungry. I lost everybody. I lost myself. Here is the key. You walk in those places, and they're standing out there, and they've got their trays, and, and they've got various different things. Some of them, they got chicken stuff that they've made, or they got a cup of some kind of nuts in it, or they've got some chocolate something that's going on or some popcorn something that's going on. And there are people that, that, that go there and they will literally go from station to station to station because they're trying to taste these samples. Now watch this. How do we learn a lesson from Costco? It's like this. They stand out there and the number one thing that we can, we can learn from Costco is this. They believe in their product. I wish I could get a Sunday night amen. They believe in their product. They stand out there with their trays and their samples, amen, and they are convinced. And they don't know, uh, they don't know amen, who is really hungry or who is not, amen, but they are convinced that if they can stand out there with their tray and their sample, if they can get you to walk by and just smell that aroma or if they can get you to lock your eyes on it or if they can get you to come by with an earshot where they can say, hey, would you like to try this? Would you like a taste of this? Amen. They, the number one thing that we can learn from them is that they believe in their product. They are convinced that if they can just get your attention, they can get you to taste of it. I wish the church, amen, I wish that you and I as individuals would get deep down in our soul that we believe that if we could just get out there and get them to taste and see, amen, if we could get out there with our example, amen, with our lifestyle, praise God, with our real, true joy, amen, if we could just get out there with that sample, we could convince them that if they would taste and see, they would know that the Lord is good. But you see, you and I, have got to believe in our product. We've got to believe that we have uh, have a good grasp on the truth. We've got to believe that if you're going to have a difference made, a change made, a deliverance, uh, hallelujah, if you're going to be set free, we've got to believe in our product, uh, that we have the word of God, that we have the truth of God, that we have real Bible salvation. Amen. We can learn from them. 
that they believe a man in their product. There's a study that is out, and, 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 and you probably could see this coming, amen, that these churches, how many have seen the churches, and man, I don't, I don't want to knock any specific churches. I'm real, real careful about doing that, regardless of what I think of their doctrine, regardless of what I think of their ways, amen, but I'm, I'm just mentioning a study here, okay? So just understand that this is something that I have read, and I didn't do it with any intentions to hurt anybody's feelings, amen? But there are the churches, that have become almost the coffee clubs, a man of, of the faith, right? And they've got the disco lights, and they, it seems like it's a concert, and it seems like it's a club and a place to join, amen, everywhere. that Well, this study has shown that the people that have flocked to those, and they built their 500 and their 1,000 and their 5,000-seat churches, amen, and they flocked to those things. And, you know, people really want to just be involved. They want to be a part of something. And that's really, and Brother Justin, you and I have talked about that to a great extent, that those churches, the one thing that they do right is that they make people feel involved and they make people feel like they are a part of something amen and they make them feel like that they can 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 have a place and they can be a part of something right and so that's the one thing that they do wrong but where they fall short amen and I'm not speaking from way out on the outside looking in I've got experience with this where they fall short is you don't see that true blue Biblical transformation. So the study showed that these folks that ran to these churches, they are starting to walk away from them. That they are starting to decline in numbers. And they believe that this is the case. Because watch where they are going. They are not just going, uh, they're not just leaving those churches. They're not just walking away from them. But they are actually going back to some of the most orthodox, strict religious, amen, communities and, and places of faith that they never even were to begin with. You know why? They want something with some substance. They want something that requires something of them. I'm just in the study. They want something that says, and, and they laid all of these things out. They said that they are going back to those places because they said they would sit there and they never felt like they were ever doing anything wrong. And they said, I know my life. They said, I know what kind of person I am. And I would go home the same way that I came. And there wasn't any change. And there wasn't anything required of me. And there wasn't any. It was just happy, clappy, amen, Brother Steve, pie in the sky type of stuff, amen. It was, it was, it was something that was, there was nothing required of them. So they're running back, amen, to the Roman Catholic churches and they're running back to these staunch, uh, uh, starchy, strict religious groups, amen, where they are requiring something of them, amen? So, hallelujah, what, is, what we need there is a transformation. What they are searching for is something that will actually change them. We do not need to be on treadmills of performance. Can I get an Amen. Where we are constantly trying to do right and, and do now now we, we've got to try, we gotta do our best. You guys know Brother Keith, right? I'm not I'm not excusing anything away. But we do have to do our best. We do have to work hard, but we have to understand that there is no amount of effort and works that can save us. There is no amount of effort and skill and talent that can change us. If there's going to be a transformation, it has got to be a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit of God. 
Can I get an amen? That we can pray, God, tomorrow I'll do better and I'll do more and I'll reach higher. And we can pray that and we can intend that and we can effort that, amen. But there will not be a true transformation until we have an experience and an encounter with a holy God. There will not be a true transformation until we have given our life completely to him. Can I get an amen? The number one reason that we ought to choose the church that we choose is because there is a true and real transformation. Can I get an amen? The the second lesson that we can learn from Costco, if you will, amen, is that they understand and they believe that people are hungry. Can I get an amen? They understand and they believe That if they can get out there with that tray and they can have some samples on it, there are times, how many many do this? How many of you folks will do this? But I've done this with my wife and my kids. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to eat? I don't care. I don't know. Done that, right? Can I get a nod on that? I don't know how many times I have said, probably not very many, but I know I've said it a few times. I'll say, you know what, I don't want anything heavy. I'm just, you know, I'll just get a sandwich when we get home. And so Sister Sharon will go, okay, well, great. Let's go to Dairy Queen then. And we'll, we'll get in the drive-thru of Dairy Queen or we'll get in the drive-thru of Steak and Shake. And I get there and I start looking that menu up and down and my stomach is full. But all of a sudden, I order all their meals and then I throw in a bowl of chili and a large fry. And a, can I get a witness? They get it out there because they know. If, you, if they can get your attention, they believe you're hungry. We need the church to get in a place that Costco and Sam's, and I know that this sounds pretty off the wall. I know this sounds weird. I know, I know this sounds a, a, a different, way different from this morning. But I, I'm just trying to get across to you that we've got to understand that folks out there are hungry and they are thirsty. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter if they've already eaten at the restaurant down the road. Amen. We've got to believe that if we get our sample out there, we're going to find folks that are hungry. Amen. We are going to find Find the people, praise God, that are looking for something, whether they know they're looking or not. Because guess what? If you can just get that little paper cup of the word, if you can just live a little bit of a lifestyle in front of them, that they see how you react when tragedy hits your life versus how somebody that doesn't have what you have will react when tragedy hits their life. That's a sample to them. If they can see, amen, when when sickness comes into your life or into your family, and they can see how you respond, and you may the faith and that little sample that you give them that's really what Paul was telling Corinthians he said they're going to be you're going to be known and read of all men amen you may never get a scripture out of your mouth you may never get a bible study at their kitchen table you may not even ever get them to come here and sit in one of these chairs but I'm here to tell you if you can live a life amen that is persuaded that what you've got is what they need if you can live a life that is persuaded that you don't need to have them tell you that 
that they're hungry. You just need to get a sample out there and you'll find out who's hungry. You'll find out who's looking for something. You'll find out who is hurting and needs what you have. You'll find out who is lost and trying to be found. Amen. Many of us, just like I said at that drive through many of us thought that we weren't hungry, thought that we didn't need anything, thought that we were full, thought that we were fulfilled, thought that we had the answers. But when we pulled up to the menu, that is the word of God. When we begin to explore the scriptures, Brother Steve, and we begin to look at what was on the menu, and we begin to look at how folks lived, and how folks talked, and how folks did things, amen, all of a sudden, there was a craving in our spirit. Isn't that true? They believed in their product, and whether you knew it or not, they believe that you're hungry, amen? What else do they do? Sister Morgan, they get out in the flow. They stand in the flow. See, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we, we talked about this a little bit, and we said, you know, there for a while we used to make, we used to say that the world, the folks in the world were our enemy. I think, we, I, think I talked about this today at lunch, that the world and the other churches, they're our enemy. You know, 20 years ago, whenever I was preaching to young people, there were times where I even said, the folks that you go to school with, they want to drag you to hell. That's not true. The spirit of the world is our enemy. Worldliness is the enemy of our soul. But those folks out there are hungry and thirsty, just like you and I. We've got to be an example to them. We've got to be the samples that they taste. We've got to, in everything that we say and do and live and believe, we've got to be, we've got to uh, uh, somehow uh, trigger that craving in their spirit. Amen. Folks that you never believed was possible. If you live a life in front of them, you'll find out one day they are hungry. Steve, I don't mean to keep referring to you. But you're my, you're my latest example. I love this guy right here. I love this family. I worked for, with his son for nearly, how long has it been? Nearly 17 years probably now. No, he was 18 years old. So almost a decade. It's been a decade. Worked with his son. I have been teaching Bible studies around, running him around, driving him around. Many of you in this church have done that. And we just kept, we never gave up on him. Well, we did give up on him a few times, Steve, and, and you probably did too. But we kept working on him and kept believing God was going to touch him, amen. And we just kept being an example and we kept being a sample. Never did we believe in a million years that his dad would be the one that would walk in this church hungry and thirsty. But we just kept putting that sample out there, Sister Lottie. We just kept standing out there with our tray like dummies. We just kept getting out in the flow. We just kept our hands out there with our tray saying, somebody's got to want this. Somebody's got to want And we kept getting out there in the flow. That's what they do at these, these, these 
fast food chains. That's what they do at the food courts and Costco and Sam's. They just get out in the flow. They're not looking for anybody's. They're not sitting there going, oh, that guy looks hungry and run over there when they see me walking down the aisle. They don't, they don't say, well, that lady looks, that, she looks like she's got some hungry kids. I'm going to run over there. They just get out in the flow. And guess what? They, everybody that walks by is grabbing a cup off of that tray. And you'll see about every other person is grabbing a sample. And they're refilling the cups and they're putting them back out. And they're refilling the cups and they're putting them back out. Folks, as the church, we can't hide out in the building. We can't hide out in our homes. We can't stay home and guard the Bible. Amen. We got to get our lives out there in the flow. We got to do it at work. We got to do it at school. We got to do it everywhere that we are. We've got to get out there in the flow and let folks taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I get an amen? Matthew says this. Matthew chapter 4. 18 and 19 says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I want the music to come if you would. They were throwing out their nets that day. They were fishing. Jesus saw them fishing and he said, I want you to come with me. I'm going to show you how to be a fisher of men. It's it's important to point out that these individuals fished, and even the scripture said it like that. They fished for a living. Amen? They threw their nets out and they brought back as many as they could. They threw their nets out, and they tried to trap as many. They didn't care about species. They didn't care about size. They didn't care about any of it. They just kept bringing the nets back. Jesus said, come with me. I'm going to show you how to fish for men. He called professional fishermen to fish for men. Church, we've got to stop trophy fishing. You didn't get it. We gotta leave our rod and reel at home. We gotta stop trophy fishing. We gotta stop worrying about if we're gonna reach the banker or the attorney, or if we're gonna reach somebody that can financially benefit this church somehow. We gotta stop trophy fishing. If those fishermen, those professional fishermen, Brother Jason, that were fishing for a living, would have had their rod and reel out there. If I, I wish I was a professional fisherman. I wish I fished for a living, Sister Stacy. I really do. I love fishing that much. But Sister Sharon, if, if I did fish for a living, and that's how we fed our family, and that's how we paid our bills, if I come running home with a seven-pound bass and put it up on the wall, it wouldn't feed the family. Jesus liked their methods. And he wanted to apply it to how they fished for men. He said, just throw the net. Just get out there in the flow and throw the net. Every step we take, every day of our lives, we're a sample like Costco offers. We're fishermen like Peter and them were, where we're throwing our net. We don't care about the race. We don't care about the economic background. We don't care about how successful or failure they are. 
We're trying to bring them all in. Let's stand to our feet. We can learn some things from not just, amen, the Costco and Sam's and those types of things, but more importantly, we can learn from the Word of God. God desires, and and the Word tells us that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's very difficult to reach a world, amen. It's very difficult, if you allow me to say it like this, it's very difficult to catch fish if you never go fishing. We have to be, and we said this today at lunch, we have to be conscious that no matter where we are and what we're doing, we, say we, are not there on accident. We were just trying to eat lunch today. But at some point, we had the opportunity to be an example to someone. Maybe it was just the, exa- the opportunity to not be a bad example. Because we had the opportunity to be that today. We have to get out in the flow. We have to throw a net, not a rod and reel. We have to try to get as many as we can, not just one specific one. Amen? we got to believe in our product. we got to believe that they're hungry. See, they don't worry about, the, the, those that are at Costco and the different places, they don't, they don't worry about if you shake your head and say you don't want any. They just keep reaching for the next one that walks by. They just keep offering the next family that comes by. They just keep reaching that tray out to them. They just keep filling the cups and filling the, 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 the drinks, and they just keep doing it because they know that they're going to come across more folks that are hungry and thirsty than folks that are fulfilled. Can I get an Amen. I think as a church, we ought to gather tonight, amen. We'll keep this simple, praise the Lord. But I think we ought to all just begin to make our way. If you're willing, if you're able, amen, to make your way down to this, we'll pray a corporate prayer, praise God. This is something that I want you to get in your heart and in your mind. This is not something, amen, that necessarily is going to rock your world. But it will be something that the next time you're out in public, you'll think before you'll speak. You'll think before you'll act. You'll remember that at all times... We are to be examples and samples to those that are around us. We ought to influence and impact those that are in this world. Amen. They're looking for answers. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're needing, amen, somebody to tell them that when they are sick, that there is a healer. I share my testimony at work every chance I get. God's delivered me from some very serious things, amen, whether they be addictions or diseases or injuries, amen. I've seen some great and wonderful things happen in my life. I want to give those samples out every chance and every opportunity that I get. Why don't we pray together? I know that some of you are thinking about somebody in your life that you want to be an influence to. I want you to get somebody specific in your mind, amen, that you're going to be willing in that area and in that moment and in that time, you're going to be willing to throw your net out there. You're going to be willing to stand there with your tray and be a sample and an example to them. Will you begin to pray for that individual right now? Will you begin to call their name? Don't worry about who's standing next to you. Don't worry about having the right words. Don't worry about if you're going to speak in the King James Version or if you're going to speak English or talk in tongues. Amen. Just begin to call that person's name out. Begin to pray, God, let me be an example to them. Let me be a sample to them. Let me be one to my family. 
Let me be one to my coworkers. Let me be one to my classmates. See, I like this spirit that's moving across this place right now because I feel like folks are getting it. And I, I, I believe that you're hungry and I believe that you believe in your product. I believe that you know folks are hungry out there and you want to be an example to them. I believe that. I like what's happening right now. Will you begin to call the name of those that you know are hurting? Will you begin to call the name of those that you know have a desire, amen, to be different? Will you begin to call the name of those that suffer some form of affliction or disease? or sickness, amen, in their life, maybe even an addiction in their life, will you begin to call their name? Lord, I'm casting my net in prayer right now. Lord, I'm casting my net in prayer right now. I want to throw a net over them right now, God, so that tomorrow I can draw them in, so that next week I can bring them in, so that next week I can be a fisher of their soul. God, will you use me in prayer right now? Will you use me in an example to them, amen? Will you help me? Will you give me the ability, praise God? Will you help me not to be afraid of rejection those that say they're not interested they're not nest they're not hungry will you let me just go past them and begin to reach for the next one and the next one and the next one god will you make a difference in